Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's a joy to be with you this morning. If you haven't already, grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read and dig into the passage you just heard a little bit, and I imagine that's going to be a very familiar passage for most of you. But just want to remind you, what you just heard is one of the most uh, history-altering stories and truths the world has ever known, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at that a little bit closer this morning. So Luke chapter 2, go ahead and find your place there. We'll be walking through in just a minute. Uh, I want to take just a second here at the beginning, uh, just kind of on a personal note. Uh, you may know, you may not know, but uh, it was nine years ago this week that my family got off an airplane and uh, began our new life here at East Tennessee. And God allowed us to come be a part of this church and one of your pastors. So we have now been here as a part of this church for nine great years. And I just want to tell you, in all honesty, what a privilege it is for a pastor to be able to serve in the same place for nine years now. Do you know how rare that is? Uh, either the pastor gets tired of the people or the people get tired of the pastor. I don't know what it is. But to be one of your pastors now for nine years and to walk along life with you and the ups and downs and all the joys of that is an extreme privilege. So thank you for that. And thank you for the way you've loved my wife and you've loved my kids. We love this church. This is our family. And uh, we're really hopeful that the Lord allows us to stay here nine or ten or twenty more years. That's how much ever he decides. But thankful to serve alongside a great group of men that make up our elder team. Thankful to serve alongside two of the lead pastors. It's a joy uh, to be here and to serve along a great staff team. Uh, so it's a great joy. I just want to say thank you for making that possible. We're honored as we celebrate kind of our uh, nine years of ministry here. So with all that, let's talk about Advent. Uh, we're in the middle of Advent season, and as a church family, uh, the point and the goal of Advent has been pretty simple. We want to tune our hearts. and We want our hearts to be retuned to the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we want our hearts to be prepared and ready and longing and waiting for when Jesus is going to come again. So we've been walking through this series called Advent. We've been reading through these passages together. Our family discipleship plan has walked along with this so you as parents and caregivers can continue these conversations at home and hopefully you've been able to do that. I hope it's been a great joy for you. And this morning we're going to continue on. We, we've been talking about that Jesus followers, we're learning that the people of God are characterized by longing for their king. We talked about that several weeks ago. Uh, we are to be characterized by this waiting well and trusting in our king. We looked at that from the life of Simeon. We looked at last week the life of Joseph when everything seemed to be unraveling, but he was trusting in his king. And then this morning, we're going to look at the reality that the story of Christmas calls us to rejoice. The story that we heard this morning and these incredible truths of the birth of our king is a call and a reason to rejoice. Now I'm going to give you the big truth that we're going to kind of orbit around all morning first and then we're going to walk through this passage together this morning. So here's your big truth. This is what comes right up out of this passage is this. That Jesus' followers rejoice in the King. Amen? I don't know if you believe that or not. And Daniel was very honest this morning, and I really appreciate that, that there are times that 
we read and we just sang about rejoicing and we know the Bible calls us to rejoice and says the fruit of the Spirit in us is this joy. But sometimes, man, it is a fight for joy. And there are a thousand things in our life, orbiting around our lives, just trying to rob our joy. So this passage this morning is going to communicate again that Jesus' followers, we rejoice in our King. Joy is to be a distinguishing mark of the child of God. Let me say that again. Joy that overflows in this rejoicing that we just sang about is to be a distinguishing mark of a child of God. Now, I'm not going to take a long time and try to define joy. You kind of get the idea when the Bible talks about joy, it's this settled, glad, contented state of soul. It's this contentment, this hope that's found. It's this soul well-being. It's this satisfaction that is there, that is unshakable. It's not determined by circumstances, or it shouldn't be. And here's the reality this morning as we walk through this passage. The Bible unashamedly connects joy directly to a right, abiding, deep relationship with God. The Bible draws a clear conclusion that your joy and my joy is directly connected to being in an abiding, deep, growing, vibrant relationship with God himself through Jesus Christ. Now listen to what the Bible says about joy, just kind of as a, an intro really quick. Psalm 63, you don't have to look this up, but it says, But the king will rejoice in God. Psalm 70 says, Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Habakkuk chapter 3, when the world was unraveling around, Habakkuk says, Yet I will exult in the Lord, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Apostle Paul from a jail cell writes in Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The book of Galatians tells us that the fruit of the Spirit of Jesus in us is joy. And here's the thing we have to learn this morning. It's not our joy. It's not something we manufacture. It's the very joy of God himself in us by his Spirit. So this morning we're going to look at through this Christmas story that Jesus' followers rejoice in our King. So here's the question for you this morning is this. Pretty simple. You ponder on this, wrestle with this this morning. Is my life today, is your life today characterized by settled, glad, contented, overflowing joy in your King? Challenging, isn't it? So let's see what this passage has to say about joy. There's so much here about joy in our King. Now, we're going to pick it up in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. Now, you heard the passage read just a moment ago. You're very familiar with it. Verses 1 through 7, Joseph and Mary have made their way to Bethlehem. They have made a 70-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem because of the census. Mary is great with child. Can you imagine that road trip? 70 miles, no vehicles. 
a difficult journey, and now they find their, their place in Bethlehem, suburb of, of Jerusalem, and they're there. Jesus has been born. The baby that was promised has now been born of Mary, and the focus from what was going on in Bethlehem and the birth of Jesus is now going to shift out to the fields and the pasture land around Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem is about six, five, six miles, something like that, south of Jerusalem. This whole area had pasture land all over. And we know from scholars that there were so many shepherds and so much pasture land because often these pasture lands provided the sheep for the sacrifice that was going on in Jerusalem. So we go from what's happening there in Nazareth to the birth of the king, then we pan out to these pastures, if you will, outside of, Naz or outside of Jerusalem. Let's pick it up in verse 8. Here's what the Bible says. Now, in the same region, again, this is not far from Bethlehem, not far from Jerusalem, there were shepherds. And these shepherds were doing what shepherds do. They were out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now stop right there for just a second. This story is not going to make a whole lot of sense to you if you don't understand the shepherds of that day. Now, when we hear the idea of shepherd, maybe we think of King David. Maybe we, we think of this high, exalted role of shepherd. But in this day, the role of shepherd in the New Testament, early century here, was not seen as a high position. In fact, shepherds were looked down on. They were basically considered to be deadbeats. They were considered to be criminals. They were men of lowly reputation. They were the lowest rung of society. In fact, one Jewish scholar said this of shepherds, and I quote, there's no more disreputable occupation than being a shepherd. So the idea in that day of a shepherd was not one of great nobility. Listen, and it was certainly not the people that you or I in that day would have picked to first hear the announcement of the birth of Jesus. And that's the point. So it is a remarkable passage here when the Bible goes from what's going on in the birth of Jesus there in Bethlehem, the focus shifts now to these pastures. Here are these shepherds. And listen what happens to these guys. Verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. This glory of the Lord is the very radiance of the greatness and the presence of God himself. It is, it is overshadowing these shepherds. And they were filled with fear. And why were these guys so afraid? Well, there are probably a couple reasons. One, biblically, anytime somebody comes in contact with an angelic being, it's usually a response of fear. You know, these are not little milk toast guys, little cotton ball guys floating around. These angelic beings were mighty. They were from the very presence of God. They were fearful beings. And secondly, I like to think that these shepherds thought, man, if we're receiving an, a heavenly messenger visit us, it's probably not going to end well because these shepherds knew what they were not. And these shepherds knew that their lives were a mess. These shepherds didn't have any notion that they would be the ones who were deserving of a visit from the angels from heaven. So when this angel shows up in the field and these angels show up in the pasture, these guys are horrified. Why are we being visited by a messenger of God? Keep going. And the angel said to them, and I love this verse 10, fear not. Fear not. For behold, 
I bring you good news. That word good news is the same word we get the word gospel from. It's as if these angels are announcing to those least likely, humanly speaking, to receive this good news. Listen, you have every reason to tremble. You have